The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 4, Paragraph 31. Aurelius says, Love the art which you were taught, set up your retirement in this, and pass through what is left of life as one who has committed all that is yours with your whole heart to God, making yourself neither despot nor servant to any man. So, um, I was uncertain about what the implications were of the use of the phrase the art and then what he meant by retirement or in another translation he says uh your rest so i looked at farquharson's commentary and he says the art in which he finds refreshment is the reasonable conduct of life this is the equivalent of retirement from the court and the world and farquharson provides several other citations in meditations where aurelius talks about this uh, about both topics so my question here was um Again, I, I don't know if this is a good question, but this is the question that occurred to me, and that's what we're going to talk about, is um, why does he have to urge us here to love the art, uh, the art of how to live life, you know, the art of, uh, of Stoic philosophy? I mean, he's been writing about it and talking about it for a long time now, you know, we're in, 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 towards the end of book four, so why suddenly urge us to love this art? Uh, it should be clear at this point that this is worthy of our love. Um, secondly, what is the relationship between that advice of love the art and then the advice about, um, or the emphasis on, on let your retirement be in this. Um, and, uh, and, and his talk about how to make, what to make of the remainder of your life. I mean, is, is, is the emphasis on the remainder of your life just a, you know, stoic reference to the fact that our lives are, temp- uh, you know, temporal and like we're mortal, or is he, uh, is there more to it than that? So here's my theory. My theory is, yeah, obviously you should love the stoic art and philosophy and it provides all these advantages. But I think what he means here is that you should love it in the same way that you, uh, and you should relate to it in the same way that you, that you relate to the years of retirement. Okay. Um, and uh, the analogy that came to my mind is like, you know, I, I think that there's a, um, well, okay. Let me let me actually let me let me read two excerpts here from uh from uh, the, the, that that came to mind when I was thinking about this, and then I'll uh, I'll talk about it. So the first one is one of the references that Farquharson referred me to, which is Aurelius in five nine. Okay, and this is one in which, you know, you could read the meditations and think that he's very very um, stern with himself and hard on himself. And this is the first time I've seen where he talks about really you know being forgiving with yourself. Uh, certainly in the first part here. So he says like this. Um, in in five nine, don't be disgusted. Don't give up. Don't be impatient if you do not carry out entirely conduct based in every detail upon right principles. But after a fall, return again and rejoice if most of your actions are worthier of human character. Love that to which you go back and don't return to philosophy as as to a schoolmaster, but as a man with sore eyes to the sponge and salve, as another to a poultice, another to a fomentation. For so you will show that to obey reason is no great matter but rather you will find rest in it. Remember too that philosophy wills nothing else than the will of your own nature, whereas you were willing whereas you were willing some other thing not in accord with nature. For what is sweeter than this accord? Does not pleasure overcome us just by sweetness? 
Well, see whether magnanimity, freedom, simplicity, consideration for others, holiness are not sweeter. For what is sweeter than wisdom itself? What is sweeter than wisdom itself when you bear in mind the unbroken current in all things of the faculty of understanding and knowledge? So basically, basically, if you don't live up to these stoic ideals, then don't don't beat yourself up about it. You know, realize that that uh, it's a uh, it's a long process and that uh, as long as you are moving on the path to being what did he call it? Um, uh, uh, if uh, rejoice if most of your actions are worthier of human character, I meaning as long as you're moving on the path mm-hmm. towards living uh, in line with with uh, with what your human character dictates uh, and living in line with nature, then then that's good. Okay, so that's that's citation number one. Citation number two uh, is footnote four in the Halakhic Man by Rav Yosef uh, uh, Solveitchik. Um, Yosef Dovalevi Solveitchik. Um, and for those who don't know about footnote four, I mean, you know, yes, you should read Halakhic Man, but footnote four is its own, uh, is its own like a- amazing treatise that you, that you really have to read. And anytime I quote from it, it's very hard for me to not quote from the entire thing. So uh, maybe this quotation is a little bit long, but like, you know, once you know, the way that the Rob talks about stuff, I mean, you kind of have to like let him talk. Um, so, uh, and, and, and again, and this is the rub. So this is like a little, um, uh, he does have a little bit of highfalutin speech here. So, uh, in footnote four, he's, he's talking about popular, uh, portrayals of religion. So he says this popular ideology contends that the religious experience is tranquil and neatly ordered, tender and delicate. It is an enchanted stream for embittered souls and still waters for troubled spirits. The person who comes in from the field weary, from the battlefield and campaigns of life, and from the secular domain, which is filled with doubts and fears, contradictions and refutations, clings to religion as does a baby to its mother, and finds in her lap a shelter for his head, a nest of his forsaken prayers. And there is comfort, and there is comforted for his disappointments and tribulations. This ideology is partially embedded in the most ancient strata of Christianity, partially rooted in modern pragmatic philosophy, but mainly it stems from practical utilitarian considerations. The advocates of religion wish to exploit the rebellious impulse against knowledge, which surges from time to time in the soul of the man of culture, the yearning to be freed from the bonds of culture, that daughter of knowledge, which weighs heavily on, heavy on man with its questions, doubts, and problems, and the desire to escape from the turbulence of life to a magical, still, and quiet island, and there to devote oneself to the ideal of naturalness and vitality. This Rousseauian ideology left its stamp on the... In- entire romantic movement from the beginning of its growth until its final tragic manifestations in the consciousness of a contemporary man. Therefore, the representative, the representatives of religious communities are inclined uh, to portray religion in a wealth of colors that dazzle the eye as a poetic Arcadia, a realm of simplicity, wholeness, and tranquility. Most of the sermons of the revivalists are divided in ancient, in equal measure between depicting the terrors of hellfire and describing the utopian tranquility that religion can bestow upon man. And that which appears in the sermons of these preachers in a primitive garbled form, at times interwoven with childish naivete and superficial belief, is refined and purified in the furnace of popular quote-unquote philosophy and quote-unquote theology and becomes transformed into a universal religious ideology which proclaims, if you wish to acquire tranquility without paying the price of spiritual agonies, turn unto religion. If you wish to achieve a fine psychic equilibrium without having to first undergo a slow, gradual personal development, turn unto religion. And if you wish to achieve an instant spiritual wholeness and simplicity that need not be forged out of the struggles and torments of consciousness, turn unto religion. Okay, that's the end of the excerpt here. Okay, so what do all these things have to do with each other? So I think, so here are my thoughts here. Okay, so I think it's easy to read 
uh, Aurelius or any of the Stoics and come away with this idea that like, oh yeah, Stoicism offers this way to achieve tranquility and peace and be at one with yourself and nature and be free of conflict and free of worry and anxiety. And it can fall into that same trap that the rough described of like wanting instant instantaneous enlightenment. And as the rough points out, that is really just naive. And it's, it, that's not how actual, yeah, there is such a thing as, as tranquility and, uh, and, you know, an inner peace that can, you know, that a person can attain, but it's not, it's not immediate. And it, it requires a lengthy, lengthy period of development with many ups and downs and agonies. And, you know, you really have to read the rest of footnote four to get like the full picture of that. But this is where I think Aurelius's um, statement comes in, which is that he says you should love the art um, but set up yourself for retirement in it, okay? And if you want to use an analogy here, uh, you got to set up a 401k of uh, of stoic tranquility, okay? In other words, you know, there is a future state in which you can be in retirement and peace. Um, however, you're going to need to make daily investments in that. Uh, and the investments come in the form of of work, and practice and training and learning and failures and successes and failures and failures and successes and failures. And that really is like the, that's, you know, when you have this emotion that I want this tranquility, there is a reality to that because, because, you know, the stoic uh, principles can lead to that, but it's not instantaneous. And if you can channel that in, instead of like into a, you know, I'm going to apply this principle now and like get peace right now. If you can channel that feeling from that focus on the immediate to the focus on later in life and the, and setting yourself up for that kind of retirement, then I think uh, I think that's the healthiest, uh, most realistic perspective that you can have because that's really that's really what it takes. It takes like this daily daily practice with lots of of uh, successes and failures and torments and and pleasures along the way. All right, so those are my thoughts there. That's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. The link is in the description. Uh, good time. Uh, we're, we just uh, got to January, so um, new year, new uh, new month, new Patreon month. So uh, if you've been um, you know, uh, thinking about uh, uh, contributing, then uh, I, this would be a great time. I welcome your contribution. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.